Hello and welcome back to episode number seven of Sprucast, our bi-weekly podcast series. Um, and this week we're going to tackle a subject that um, is probably very near and dear to a lot of people. <laughs> we're going to tackle rivet counting. Rivet counters, whatever you want to call them or, or call it. Um, some people loathe them, some people like them, some people are them and don't even know it. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna delve into what we feel about rivet counters. Um, is there a place for them? Uh, you know, there, there's a place for everything, and uh, we shall go from there. But before we start with our rivet counting. Um, we're first going to have a look at what we've been doing for the week this week. Um, so I'll start with Josh. Josh, what have you been doing this week? Um, unfortunately, mine's going to be kind of lame. I've been playing with a six-year-old, so we, I have not spent much time at the bench. To the negative about being summertime, um, I, I try to get outside and do a lot. Yeah, but you got, I mean, you got a family and that, and you so oh. it's, uh, you know, it's yeah. times it's, not really the priority when, when you've got family. Um, you buy anything this week? Did I buy anything? No, but I was, I, I have to buy a new nozzle for my printer, so I was looking up going down that particular rabbit hole. Oh, right, um, yeah, no. Okay. I haven't, but I was going to buy a spare for mine, um, but I didn't buy, I haven't bothered yet. Um, do they go quite often? Well, I've, I've, I've had mine for two years, so, I mean, it's, it is kind of what it is. I, it, it's about the nozzle getting plugged up and then the tip wearing up a little bit. Yeah. So you don't get quite the... the layer lines that you you were when you first started yeah yeah i get what you're saying and and if you look on amazon there you can get like 25 of them for 10 bucks yeah so I, I i just i put it off long enough and i i've had that printer for like three years so the belt's starting to wear out on the i guess you'd call it the y-axis yeah and why i think x is the the actual filament nozzle head and then z is the the actual lift so and i could have that wrong and backwards and it's all technical yeah. stuff yeah i mean i mean it's, uh, yeah um there's a lot of things you need to look at when you're buying uh when you buy a 3d printer um, there's so many things you need to look at. We are going to look at that in a future episode. We're going to go in depth a bit more on what to look for when you buy a 3D printer um, and what sort of things you can expect from it. Uh, but for now, uh, that's what Josh has been up to this week. And we'll go on to Gordon. Gordon, what have you been doing this week? <clears throat> I've put the camouflage colours on my Sky Raider, the US Air Force one, the Tammy one. I've painted out the cockpit on a MiG-25 Recon Bird. 
and I'm in the process of doing the uh, the late Hummel by Tamiya, the new one. Oh yeah, the Hummel. I spent a, a quite a pleasant evening last night uh, gluing loads of little wheels together and painting them. Oh yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was doing me fruited yes yes the joy of wheels on tanks and that uh, oh did you buy anything this week um another bit 25. nice um what scale 48 the uh the icm one the uh the pd version the missile armed version all right icm yeah well, is that is that a new new tall one or yeah, it's it's a new tool one. I think RCM do three different versions of the MiG twenty five, and the one I'm building at the moment is the uh, the Revel boxing version of it. Right. So, what what do you what's your opinion of it? Is it when you say it's a Revel boxing, is it a Revel kit or is it an RCM? It's basically, it's basically a Revel big box with a uh, bag of RCM sprues in it yeah i like icm kits i've not built a plane yet tell a lie i've just yeah i did build the um russian one the i16 is it yeah yeah i built the russian i16 which was a bloody nice kit oh, um yeah. oh, I've, I've, built, I've built quite a few icm kits and stuff mainly the spitfires when i was doing all my spitfire marks and uh, yeah they've got the faults and stuff and the uh, the quality wasn't consistent you you could buy one spitfire kit and then buy another one a bit later on it would be full of flash but um i've seen quite a few reviews of the icm mid 25s and stuff i thought well i'll get one because i managed to get one for a decent price and to be honest i'm actually quite impressed with the, uh, the level of detail in it yeah and i'm just hoping that it goes together like i've heard so oh well we'll uh, watch this space and we'll come back and uh well, have a look. This is it. it's normally the old revel monogram mig 25 it was like join the fuselage together in the usual way but this is because it's got a box shaped fuselage you start off with the floor, the base, the bottom of the aircraft, then you put ribs in it, and then you put the top on, then you glue the sides on. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of the German um, airfix brought out a 172nd, very early World War One, um, And I apologise, my memory is dreadful, uh, but it was... Uh, I think it was a single wing plane. Um, Gordon, help me out here. <laughs> um, oh, the only thing I could think of was like the Eindecker. Ah, that's it, Eindecker. That was it. Yeah, the uh, I, I loved it. It was a great build, but that was box shaped. Um, you started off with the floor on that one. Um, and then you built up around it and um and you put the top on and then you had to put these uh, not guy ropes but you know the 
uh, Van der Rosten or uh, mid lines, the elastic that um, you put on to simulate the struts and that, um, which I found very finicky. And I did actually, in fact, glue, I got a tiny, tiny spot of super glue on the reel that held the fine elastic. And um, you glued it all together. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm okay if uh, I, I, I can use basically each turn around the spool. I've got like three quarters of a, an amount, and then I can snip it. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, I made it. Yeah, yeah. Well, least, least said about that, the better. Anyway, as for what I've been doing, uh, I too, not a lot, but I have done something. Uh, I finally finished the MIG. The MIG, I've got MIG on the brain. The Chevy, uh, 1957 Chevy Bel Air. A uh, big difference from a MIG. And um, I didn't enjoy that kit at all. I, as many people that uh, watched, the, you know, that were in the hangouts with me when I built it will testify to, it was an absolute nightmare. It definitely tried your patience, didn't it, Mark? Yes, it did. Um, <laughs> and even Angela kept saying to me, why don't you just throw it out? <laughs> It was um, horrendous. Um, my only consolation was I went round and I looked at, I forgot to tell you this, Gordon, I went round and I looked at other Chevys that people had built. Yeah. And I noticed they'd all got very similar problems to what I had. Yeah. Um, the windows didn't meet at the top. They were too small. The fit was bad. Um, and it was just, it was evident in all of them um so it, you know it, it was a bit of a consolation that uh, yeah it wasn't just me and i think what they've done is they've built a range of chevy from 1956 to right through to 62 or something like that and they've basically used the same kit um the same chassis they've just had extra bits on like uh i think the 52 one just had a, a thin chrome edge down the side whereas the 57 had more of a sort of the chrome flared out along the back end and it had sort of stripes in it um you know it's little things like that but essentially it was the same shell the same suspension the same bottom um the same pile of doo-doo, we'll just say that. Um, so I got that done. Uh, I'm pleased I got it done. It's uh, in the window now. Nobody's allowed to touch it because uh, I don't want fingerprints on it. That was one of the nightmares I had. Um, I've also been building the Suzuki, no, the Honda RC211V by Revel. This is a one-ninth scale kit um beautiful she's gone together fairly well at the moment the uh sprues in it are very very good um very very impressed with them especially the uh metallic sprues the chrome and everything it's uh, well, it's not chrome they've got it looking aluminium looks fantastic um 
so I've got that uh, that sort of I would say uh, just over halfway through uh, I've also half halfway through doing a mystery cube um, these mystery cubes are the ones you see in uh, Mario games they're the yellow boxes with the white question marks on um, I've built a couple of these for myself um, you put I use them to put games in um, but I'm building one for uh, my daughter and uh, I'm going to turn it into a little jewelry box of sorts that she can put her rings in um, so I'm halfway through that Dobby for those that um, have followed me is now finished it where well, he just needs a, a, a clear coat over the top and Dobby is done um, I'll probably get that done tomorrow or the day after um, as for things I've bought um oh i bought this funny glue didn't i um you can't see it but it's called the glue i bought is called model x pro glue um i'm just trying it out at the moment i can't give much of an opinion on it just yet but it comes in a very tall thin um bottle very very easy to knock over uh, no good at all in, in a practical sense. Uh, it comes with a long paintbrush to use to apply the glue, which is no use at all. And uh, it comes with a syringe to help apply the glue to smaller areas. Again, absolutely no good. Um, so I just totally thoroughly cleaned out an old Tamiya Tet bottle and I've poured some in there. Um, I will do a, like a little tiny review on this on the channel um i might even put it on my patreon channel uh and uh let you know what my thoughts are on that uh so that brings uh yeah i think i don't bought nothing else no um so that brings us back to rivet counters so who wants to kick us off with that let's let's first of all um let's let us discuss you know what the term what we feel the term rivet counter means um i'm first of all i'm just actually typing it in to um google to see whether there is an actual definition in uh a dictionary for it right it seems we do have um yes it is believe it or not so rivet counter noun plural uh rivet counters idiomatic a person who has an obsession with the minute of their particular interest especially in military and technology technology history anyone preoccupied with small distinguishing features between different items there we go that's what uh, the technical term for a rivet counter um, i've known them be called many other things 
Um, <laughs> I could think of a few myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what do we think of the Rivet Counters in general? Um, I'm, I'm going to go first. So, I think Rivet Counters have got their place. Um, rivet counters to me really is a bit of a derogatory term um and you know you almost throw that at somebody as an insult <laughs> uh when really they're just very dedicated to what they do which is not a problem i don't have a problem with that at all it's when um when somebody comes along uh, and looks at something you've built you've built you've finished it you're happy with it and then they come along and then they start to pick at it you've told them it's done you've told them it's finished but they go on to say well that shouldn't be there that shouldn't be on there that's the wrong color of course you know that wouldn't have been like that in world war Two um or world war one because the yeah, majority of them are involved in in armor um you know planes and you know stuff like that so that tends to annoy me um because if if the kit's finished what's the point in then trying to uh point fault with it what says uh anyone else on this oh, yes. <clears throat> if you've got somebody it's spent hours and hours and hours trying to produce a kit as best as they can all right to their best ability and then for somebody to come and shoot you down in flames by saying oh that's the wrong color of dunkel globe or that's that rivet pattern's not in the right place or there's not enough rivets on it it's down to individual it's their interpretation of what they're building yeah and nine times out of ten i build for what is best for me and i go the way that i want to go so sometimes you do a lot of research on yours don't you oh yeah yeah i mean john when john builds something he, he really he makes sure that everything is right um yeah. but john doesn't um when when we're building stuff like uh when i was building the mig 20 uh the mig 20 is it reconnaissance yeah the mig 21 one yeah so uh john gave me loads of advice on the on the coloring and and, and things like that and that was great um and I think I went with the majority of what you said, but I didn't go with everything. Um, I think there were one or two items that I, I, I didn't go with. Um, now, you, you, that didn't bother you, but some people, that, that would, they'd have to keep bringing that up, wouldn't they? I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've met them. <laughs> and they'd just constantly bring it up. Yeah, well, you didn't do that, though, did you? Well, this this is it. Back in the 80s and stuff, 
I used to go around a lot of the shows because a friend of mine used to do the trade show, trade circuit, used to do the nationals and stuff like that, and quite a few well-known model shows, which gave me the opportunity to put some of my work in competitions. And I've seen quite a few people that have literally put their heart and soul into building a particular kit, right? And you've had somebody, a so-called expert, come along and with a few choice words they think are quite perfectly valid, have destroyed that person's ego and they've, not, they've never built a model kit again. Yeah, well, counting this constructive criticism. There's a big difference, though, between oh, yeah. Yeah. and constructive criticism. Um, it, it's like I look at this. There's no bad model kit out there. They're all model kits. In my book, there are shake and bake. Right, there's ones that require a little bit more effort. And then you've got the ones that are, shall we say, like a certain car that somebody built, quite challenging to build to get half decent. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I watched you build your car, and I've actually seen somebody else build the same car, and they approached it in a total different way. They found out where all the faults were, and like with yours, with your door scenes, and stuff because they were too wide he actually edged the edge of his doors with thin strips of plastic card to build them out then reprofile them and reshape them oh hell yeah right, right that's, that's, that's more dedicated than i was <laughs> i tell you what it actually looked amazing when it did because it was at a competition it was a model show at hinkley a few years ago right and it actually got his car on display in the competition and he got a photograph album of how yeah. he approached it and his photographs of him building the edge of the doors up and building the, uh, the door hinges to look more accurate because he left one of the doors open and this guy comes down and he goes oh oh is that yours it was only a young lad well young lad say it's probably what early to mid 20s been modeling about what three or four years and the guy just turned around and says oh it looks all right i don't know why he bothered with that kit because it's crap <laughs> and a bit later on during the day because i was on one of the trade stores helping me mate this young lad actually came and bought some car kits off us because we used to do a lot of American cars. Yeah. Right. And it says, oh, you was in the, the, the competition room when that guy ripped my car apart, weren't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, what did you do written to it? I said, well, it was bang out of order. I said, you've picked a kit that's known for not being a clipped together, perfect fitting kit. You found all the mistakes, you've corrected them, and you've done a damn good job of it. Yeah. Said, to come along and say, I don't know why I bother because it's a crap kit. 
I said, that comment was totally out of order. Yeah, but the thing is, I bet that lad had never built that kit. I it find was. a lot of people out there, um, they will claim something based on what they've heard. Um, for example, um, I knew somebody that gave advice on Vallejo. Um, gave advice on Vallejo thinners and that, and they never, ever used them. But because they'd heard everyone else say they're rubbish, they gave, you know, they gave that advice. Oh, you don't want to go near them. Stay away from them. They're really bad. Um, but they never actually used them. Um, and the thing is, you, yeah, you're safe bet with that, really, to be honest, because everybody knows that... Um, Vallejo uh, primers can be a bit iffy, so but I think it goes on with far more than that. I think people, um, they'll hear about, for example, say the, the Spitfire Mark 5B from Airfix, um, another kit that's um, notoriously uh, bad, and um. So people will go along and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't want to build that kit. It's horrendous. It's really, really bad. You know, have you actually built it? No. Um, and they're just going off what they've heard. And I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Well, I've, I've actually seen a few years ago now that actual kit, but it was a Mark One, And he built it from one of the original Airfix Tallings when it first came out. You're on about Spitfire now, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the old beer one, right? Um, the amount of detail that this guy put into this Spitfire, right? The engine looked like you could walk up to it, flip the prop, and it'd start up. There yeah. Was detail in it. And the cockpit and stuff, how he detailed all that out. The gun bays, the undercarriage bays, because, as you know, you built it so high, the, uh, the detail in undercarriage bay is practically non existent. But he yeah. put all the ribs, all the stringers, all the rivets, and everything in it, and it looked amazing. And deservedly, he, he won best in show. Brilliant. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Um, but I mean, what are you, you got any opinions on this, Josh? So it's it's kind of a double rivet counters are a double edged sword when it comes to this hobby. And this is yeah. what I mean by that. They either can help you with all the questions you have, at the same time push you all the way down to the floor by their comments on how's yours look. There there's a couple of river counters that I actually know do all the research. And if I have a question on a certain model, they can give me billions of places to go to find what I need. Those are the people I generally talk to. Um, I will use this example is I know how to really irritate river counters because like I have the 89 Batmobile the Michael Keaton Batmobile. All right, yeah. So my son 
decided that we should paint that red. You want to talk about the internet blowing up with negativity because it was red. It was really? Red. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it turned out great. And did you explain that this was your son that was, it was his idea and. Oh, yeah. It's in the video. But it's like the internet just, just blew up. And it, what, I mean, what did they say? Was it just over the color? Yeah, a lot of it was just over the color. And and what what were some of the things they were saying about it? Oh, that should be the Batmobile should only be black or maybe a bluish color, or and I was like, dude, it was a, it's not your kit, it's not you know. So it yeah. really. Like I didn't touch another Batman kit for at least at least six months after that because it just it soured you on the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is it. Um if we go back a few years ago, a certain uh model site uh owner actually built a Gundam. Right. And he actually painted all the parts on the sprue first before he glued the kit together. Oh, no, no, no. You mustn't do this. You mustn't do right. that. <laughs> yeah. pardon, pardon my French, but you cannot imagine the shitstorm that that guy got. Yeah. Right? I can. I can. You, you know, we should do an episode on painting on the sprue. Um, right. Damn, yeah. I've got my MiG-25 I'm doing here. I've painted the, the, the cockpit with the emerald green and I'm painting all the dials, the instruments and everything before I even cut it off the sprue because it's easy to handle. Right? Yeah. Um, this person, he did it as a, a video build and put it up on YouTube and the amount of hate that he got, right? He ended up taking it out on the backyard when he'd finished it, shot it up and set fire to it and he's never built one since. And he never will. And this is a well-known YouTube guy. He's got his own business. Wow. And this is um, so. This is the, the this is the effect that rivet counters have. This is the effect that these people have, um, and they're not. They claim to have a deep uh, love for the hobby. Um, but what they're doing is just well, it, it, it's it's that part that how you word something can either be positive or negative, and it only takes one word out of that sentence. Oh, yeah, it's the it's, it's same as Josh has just said, right? I've been at shows and stuff, and I've actually seen somebody come up to somebody and say, Well, well why did you do it like that? That's the wrong color, or they, they, they've said something else. Just a couple of words or a sentence, right? And I saw this guy. This was at the Nationals at Telford, right? The guy picked his kit up off the competition bench, right? And he literally walked outside, threw it in the skip, got in his car and went home. Damn. That's what the bad side of rivet counting can do. It's like if I go to any shows or I see anybody, it's like yourselves when we're in the hangouts and stuff. Right? It's not, oh, you want to do this. Well, have you tried doing it this method? Or have you tried this paint? 
right there's the right road and the wrong road of saying something to somebody because you can upset folks yeah so we've had a look at the the bad side we've had a look at the negative side of rivet counters um the fact that you know they take things too far um yeah. and generally annoy people to the degree that uh, some people give up the hobby which is obviously bad for the hobby um bad for uh you, you know the general um how it looks to the outside world um so now let's let's try and have a look is there a positive side to rivet counters yeah and, um, i'm going to say yes there is yeah um, there is because you get some people like myself and like yourself and same as josh that sometimes i want to build a totally accurate to that specific moment in time off a photograph or off a film and, and i don't know how yeah you want to build it so what do you do you've got the kit it's like this uh, this hummel i'm doing now right it's just going to be a generic build i'm going to use a, the the figures it in it and put it on the little dio right and it's going to depict a normal but on the other hand i could go right i've got a photograph here and i want to copy that photograph and make my model look like that photograph so you start doing your research you start trying to find out what paint you it was painted in right uh what color the uniforms they would be wearing and stuff like that right and that in a roundabout way is rivet counting but you're doing research you want it to be accurate yeah right like my ultimate goal in building the aircraft that i've done right is to take it and photograph it at a scale angle yeah show somebody a photograph like when i did with me uh my kawasaki z900 i got asked to take that down off a certain website facebook page because you were not allowed to photo put photographs up of real motorbikes it was only kits yeah. So I them and says, "Look, it's not a, it's not a real bike. It's actually a model. It's a Hiroshima one. This and the other." And they asked me to put more, submit more photographs for uh, them to pass. So I ended up going back outside again and re-photographing it and actually putting my wheelie bin in it so you could actually see. Yeah. That yeah. Well, you know you've got a cracking build, don't you? You know you've got a cracking build when people start looking at the picture and start going is that real or is that a model and uh, there's yeah. there's only been about four instances i can remember in the four years since i restarted modeling where i've looked at pictures and thought is that real or not one of them was um a lorry uh that somebody took a picture of a lorry and um I swear it just looked like they'd been out to the local lorry park and took a snap of a lorry. Yeah. Um, and it was just fantastic. Um, there was another lorry. I think there was a bike. It might even have been yours. Um, and I think there was a car as well. 
but there's only been four instances uh, where that's happened. And to me, if you get somebody come up and say that, that's the ultimate compliment. If if they think, wow, you know, your model is is real, then you've achieved you've achieved your job really. Well, that's it. It sits on the shelf behind me <laughs> because that has been out of all the well about four, five, six hundred bike kits that I built, right? It just happened to be I decided to photograph it outside in natural light at a certain time of day, and it looked real. I even amazed myself when I took the photographs. Right? But I actually know quite a well, I've got a few friends that actually build stuff for museums. Yeah. Right? Now they're what I call true rivet counters. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, um, I put a little clip up the other day about a guy that built a boat in his apartment in the 80s. Uh, did you see that? Yeah. And he built this boat and it went into his bathroom, through his living room and into his bedroom. And yeah. he had to take the doors off and, and cut bits out the door frame. And yeah, that was that. Now, that, so yeah, that's a rivet counter. <laughs> without a doubt but um, yeah rivet counters they get a bad name at times but it's same as we've said there's the right way and the wrong way of saying something to somebody that used to be an advert didn't it no, this wrong is, way is the right way that's my <laughs> you can go to a show and you've got somebody there Right, and you can either have that person leave that show feeling like they've just won the lottery, or they can leave the show totally depressed and despondent with model making and never touch another kid again. It's the right yeah. way, and the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, I have been called a rivet counter in the past. I know, I called you it. <laughs> right. I've been called it by quite a few number of people and stuff, but it's something that i don't mean to do because i've got a background of restoring real aircraft yeah you're not malicious with it john no, no. Um, and i i just you know i'm just poking fun when i when i yeah. call you a rivet counter it just makes me laugh well, because so you see when when we're building stuff you you just see where where there's errors straight away because you know that's your background um and we every you know when any when any of us need any uh advice on a color or, or a paint or you know was this here and this plane at this time you know we all do it we all go to johnny's like the resident encyclopedia of uh pretty much everything really because you sit and watch those uh national geographic things as well don't you I've only watched the odd one of them, <laughs> but it's it's like I was discussing with Paul and Sue last night, right? I've been modelling since I was eight years old, right? I'm now fifty six. Yeah. Right, and I have not stopped modelling since I was eight. Right. A lot of people, when they get married and they have children, they have a break from model making. I didn't. Right. 
I went down a different path of buying one aircraft and applying as much detail to it as I could possibly do. So instead of building two or three kits a week, I'd probably build one kit in three months. So I just slowed down the number of kits I was building. And yeah. I've been building for so long, I've amassed a lot of knowledge, right, that I have no problem sharing with. And it's like when you were doing your MiG-29, your MiG-21, and when we've been in hangouts and with the Bob and stuff, and he's been doing bits and pieces, it's all, hey, God, what colours is this supposed to be painted in? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's such and such a colour grey. Uh, well, I ain't got that colour grey. What's the nearest colour? And just click of the fingers, oh, well, try this one. That's a very close match. But you don't, uh, by the same uh, token, you don't force that knowledge when it's not asked for. No. Um, I've never known you come in when somebody's building something and they might be paint, painting it, I don't know, dark green. I've never known you then to come up and go, hold on a minute. What are you doing? That's completely the wrong colour. Oh. Um, you just sit there, carry on. And then if somebody, you know, if, if somebody says, what, you, you know, what do you reckon to the colour? I, you would even agree that it's great. Um, only if you're specifically asked about it, do you then sort of say, well, you know, well, it, this, it's okay. It's a nice color, but it's it's a little bit lighter than it should be, or darker than it should be. Yeah. And and to me, that's the right way. Um. So yes, it's rivet counting. Um. It, it was like last night. There was me and Sue left in the hangout last night, right? And <laughs> we were on till one o'clock. Yeah. Right. Because Paul was having problems trying to find the right colour grey for his turpits. Oh, right. The oh, turpits. And what, what camouflage pattern to paint it in and stuff, right? So we spent an hour last night, if not longer, doing research into the turpits. Because I've got access to photographs that uh, 617 and 9 Squadron took when they actually bombed the turpits. Right. right, and I've actually spoken to one of well, he was actually a bomb, bomb aimer, right? It dropped one of the bombs on the turpits, and he turned around and said, Well, we saw it from about five miles away, sitting in the fjord and stuff. And I've got the turpits in my bomb site and stuff, and I pressed the tit and dropped the bomb. He says, And the tail of one turn around says, We've hit it, it's turning over, it's sinking. And he turned around and says, What well, I was talking about, he says, it wasn't camouflage, it was just painted grey. Huh. There you go. I mean, and it said, was Paul last night, I said, I think what you're going to have to do with your turpits is, is to pick a particular period of time that you want to depict your turpits in. Because he just, it was a loss on what colour to paint it in, what camouflage pattern to paint it in yeah so we started mixing paints up and <laughs> sprayed different colored gray paints to try and come up with a close match to it all right did the spoons come out no the spoons didn't come out i've got a sheet of plastic card all right yeah 
and, and well, was it resolved in the end no he's not made his mind up <laughs> <laughs> but for doing that for an hour or so it's actually giving him more food for thought to do a little bit more research himself and for him to make his mind upon what time period he wants to depict his turpits. Yeah. Um. So there's, there's that sort of rivet count. Of course, we were, we were going mad at it last night. Yeah. But it was done in the right way because he was asking questions and stuff and we yeah. were finding the answers for him. So there we go. Um that's our little uh take on uh rivet counters josh do you have any anything you want to add i i, I think this is the ultimate debate between rivet counters right molotov pin or bare metal foil uh, <laughs> you can watch a thread below up yeah i've seen it well maybe we maybe we should do a one on uh, metal metal paints and uh metallics in general that's a good one to do actually you know yeah. what i mean because uh, we're after we're after things to um discuss because obviously there's only a, a finite amount of uh subjects we could talk about so if you have a particular subject you want us to uh, delve into then contact one of us or leave a comment next to the uh, um, Spruecast uh, podcast and uh, we'll look into it. Um, so I've been told off as well this week. Uh, I got told because I keep saying, um, <laughs> yeah. I keep going. Um, well, then, uh, you know, they're they're everywhere. So, um, uh, to be fair, the, the I think the guy was, you know, he wasn't being nasty or anything, and I did, you know, I responded to him. Uh, but <laughs> see, it's just something I do. I can't help it. So anyway, that uh, that, that that pretty much concludes tonight's uh spruecast we're about 49 minutes in so that's a fair old length really and so we'll leave it there uh don't forget to join us next week next week we have a special guest uh will patterson will be joining us and um the fearsome will patterson yes we'll be delving into uh, everything about his life his website and asking him many questions uh don't know whether he's bringing his ban hammer with him uh we'll wait and see uh until then it's uh goodbye and we'll see you soon yeah good night folks bye